Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action 4 News, your news team for keeping it fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Combo Number Vide, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Then we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. And remember, you can always dance with the dead on someone's grave. Squee McGee getting you caught up with the meta traffic with the weatherlight report. Bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of the team, CMD Tower himself. <laughs> Well, maybe he shouldn't have been greedy and had that second piece of zombie pie. Oof. Pie. Oof. Thank you for tuning in to your number 12 source of Magic the Gathering news. We are excited to one day be nominated for an Emmy Cruel. Well, we're going to start off the top of the cast with the latest in carnage that ensued with games on Sunday with Live in the Dash. I actually have two games that I want to talk about. I will start with the first one, which will be real short, then I'll pass it over to you guys and I'll wrap it up with my last one. I did a Jota game. I think I had five of my Aber duels out. Felt real good. And then I just did Jota things. That's about it. Your land section was worth more than my cards combined in this house. But you ended the game with what, 11 life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, and, getting, I was getting drilled. And, and you literally, it was actually, it was one of the more fun Jota games I played against because you won with whatever those Neogens or whatever those things. Oh, yeah. Dealing damage. Yeah, it was literally <laughs> just swinging just in. Neogens, swinging swinging in. And I was burning everyone through Eureka. So, that, yeah, that was like the most fun, least oppressive Jota game I'd ever seen in my but life. But the thing I really enjoyed about that game, and that's why it, why it was memorable, is I had the green Neogen on the battlefield that when you remove a divinity counter, you can put any number of creatures from your hand to the battlefield. Big Tuck literally just got done showing that he was putting a scour from existence Correct. into hand then of course because once i have to wait for it to go to hand before i can do anything uh, he has to do an action either you know go from main phase right. to yep. second main phase something like that but then he put an extra turn spell on the stack and i said no thank you remove the divinity counter put down the black meosian which it only has to come from hand to get right. the divinity counter remove that once that resolved and then all my opponents had to discard their hand so he still got his extra turn, but I got rid of an Escara from existence, which I'm pretty sure was coming my way. Probably. Highly yep. likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Squee McGee, did you have any games that were memorable? So I actually got to play three games with my brand new Kokoshu tech that I talked about in the first newscast. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, very excited about with that. The tournament it, legal, let's be honest. <laughs> Kokoshu. Hey, uh, so I may or may not have sharpied on the rules text and everything else about my kokoshu and put it into a sleeve well you know what you should do you should get like a sticky note draw this terrible like oh, yeah. third grade kokoshu <laughs> then slide that oh yes do trogdor and then slide that into the sleeve that'd be hilarious <laughs> sadly the kokoshu is the only card that's not tournament legal in the deck everything else is pretty yeah. damn legit but i uh, got to play three games with that i was really excited about it i was a little did you concerned. win any games i won one game i lost two games but the goal of the deck was Perfect. It took nice. every single game that we played and it sped it up. And I don't think any of the games where Kokoshu was in yeah. lasted for more than 40 minutes. Oh, that's great. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of 40 minute games, I have since last Thursday am now undefeated in Clutch Run. Ooh. I think which, we played. I don't even know if it's going to be called Clutch Run yeah, anymore. Scooty Shuffles, big shout out to you. What was that? Half Elder Plains? You describe your game. I'm going to look it up on Twitter real uh, quick. I, the only games that come to mind that are memorable is I played one with my Madness Precon that's been tuned a little bit that did really well. Okay. And then I played another one with the more Precon out of the box that I also rocked. And I also nice. had like a six land opener. Davis also so, won a game with 
with the morph. Just, it's it's really good. It's like I it's thought good. it was kind of a joke. It's no. actually really yeah, good. It's solid. Yeah, yeah, that morph precon is real solid. Yeah, and there's only maybe twenty bucks in cards outside of lands. Right. Yeah. Twenty dollars in real cards that you'd have to put that in there to actually make it make really it good. good. Yeah, for sure. So the other ones that we had, and we have a Twitter poll up that by the time this airs, it'll be over. But we had Clutch Runt to redescribe that Big Tuck. So if you think about it, Elder Dragons are born from eggs. A group of eggs are clutches. If there's a Elder Dragon that's half-sized, you would call him a runt. And if you pulled out a game, that would be one hell of a clutch runt. Yep, mm-hmm. there you go. Then the next one is one that I had kind of thought up, Exalted Whelp which a whelp is a infant dragon, dragon and exalted would be the best of the, the sure. baby dragons. And then Scooty shuffles. I'm going to call you my boy came up with half dragon flatlander flatlander. Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> and it gives nods to EDH, the great plains region and the original name of the variant, which then I kind of did like is one of the things I didn't like about clutch runt or exalted whelp is that it's kind of hard to shorten. So instead of EDH, it could be HDF. HDF? HDF. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, yeah that's so, pretty good. I, I, when, that's I saw pretty good. That, when I saw that posted, I was like, okay, that's pretty sick. Yeah, and so yeah, right now we're, job, at, we're at 23 votes, and 39% of the votes have gone towards that. Now, someone did actually put out Divinity, and I was like, it's a little mystical for my taste, but it is oh, a one-worder type thing. I think Half Elder, what was it again? Half <laughs> Elder. Half Dragon Flatlander. Flatlander yeah. Half Dragon Flatlander, I think is. Yeah. Being from the, the winner mountainous state of Kansas, yeah. it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So then one thing that we want to end every 40 Life in a Dash with moving forward is talking about a future Bruise and Builds episode. So this one, we're going to talk about my Carador deck, which will be debuting next Friday. And so this is actually a game that me and Big Tuck kind of decided, hey, when we end our 40 Life in a Dash Carnage Sunday, let's make sure that we're in the same yep. pod. We play the deck because it'll help us be able to talk, talk about, about it better. It, yep. So, so yeah, to your point, if I'd seen Boonweaver Giant without seeing it played, I'd just be like, all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so this was Carador versus Marisi versus what were you playing? I was playing. Oh, that's right. Anafenza. Your nonsense Anafenza deck. It's and then <laughs> your buddy Ross, I believe, was in that pod. Uh, it was Rafi playing uh, his Tajik. The, That's right. Or not that one. The, he was playing the beast that when it attacks other people, other opponents gets plus two plus zero. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like Gaji. Ga- Ga- yeah, that's Gaji. Yeah. 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 Gaji. And, and so immediately I say Big Tuck sit down and I'm like, are you kidding me? You are meta picking me right now. And he's like, I swear to God, I forgot about the line, second line of text. So starting off my opening hand, I had Pattern or Rebirth which is a infinite combo piece that you'll hear about next week. I was like, okay, well, this doesn't matter if I can't put stuff to my graveyard. So I burned a Swords to Plowshares on Anafenza, the first turn that Big Tuck played her. And he's like, really? He's going to point all this at me? And I'm like, bro, can't do anything without doing that. So then uh, I started to kind of get a little bit of an engine. And then the next time that he played her, I murdered her, which Big Tuck always says is a garbage card, and I love it. And so it, it came down to the Marisi player was like, okay, the Carador player, me, can't really do anything without a consistent sack out. He's sacking one thing per turn. I'm going to kill Rafi. I'm going to kill Big Tuck and get it down to just me and him. I had Pattern of Rebirth, Revelark, Karmic Guide, Boonweaver. So I had all the things for my combo. I just didn't have a just sacrifice, sacrifice repeatable outlet, sacrifice yeah. outlet. But I did have a greater good in hand, which is a repeatable sacrifice outlet. The issue was, in my head, I was trying to do the math, and one of the things I'm trying to hold our playgroup to, 
because a lot of times we play a card and then once we realize what we've done, we were like, Oh, well, I don't want to do that. And then we try to pick up the card. I'm mm-hmm. trying to hold myself to that higher standard of if I put it down or if I do an action, even if I messed up, that's my own fault. Got to own it. Yeah. And so I played something else. I think it might've been a Marin or some other nonsense. Right. And then afterwards I was just like, ah, oh, crap. I could have maybe won. Um, and so I was like, you know what though, will you want it through Marissi deck? I'm not going to try to renegate this back. You know, we'll just wrap it up. But then through the week I've done the math and for me to exile all of his creatures, which is that's, that's bare minimum. What I had right. to do. I'm pretty sure I would have milled myself yeah, he out. Had t- he had like, he attempted vengeance and I think two people took him up on it. So yep. he had like 30 tokens or something. Oh, so many that, things. Yeah. I said, hell no. Yeah. That <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, yeah, well that kind of wraps up 40 life in a dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse, we're going to what's the plane chase. Today, we're going to talk about our favorite color combinations or single colors for EDH and our least favorite and somewhat of a debate style. It should be a lot of fun. So we're going to give one point on why we like or dislike said color or colors. And then the remaining two will potentially give a point on why they don't agree with the original speaker. Then afterwards, the speaker will get one rebuttal and then we will move on. So I will kick this off. My favorite color by far, considering I have three of these color combination decks, Wooburg, white, blue, black, red, green. The main reason I really enjoy playing five color decks is you're not restricted by anything except your imagination. If you want to go tribal, you can play Morphon, you can play Scion, you can play any of the Sliver Legends, you can play Ur-Dragon. If you want to go combo, you can play Sissay Weatherlight Captain, Kenrith, believe it or not, Golos. You want to go CEDH, do Niv-Mizzet or General Tazri Food Chain, or I literally saw on a recent YouTube channel, Kenrith as well. You want to go good stuff? You can go Joda, Child of Alara, Progenitus, Chromat, or Chroma. So, Big Tech Squee McGee, what do you guys think on my point on why Wooberg's my favorite color? So I I don't disagree. I think it's a good color combination. <laughs> I like the creativity piece of it, obviously. Uh, my only reservation there is creativity can also kill you, where if you don't focus on one particular strategy enough, you're going to start doing combos that don't necessarily line up with each other start stretching it out between too many colors, then you're getting into issues where you're going to have to run into trying to find the right types of mana to get these combos to go and trying to get everything going. I like it. I think it's a fun way to play magic. I would just caution you to be careful and make sure that you have a central focus on that type of deck. Big Tuck. Yeah, at first I kind of thought back to when I first started playing, and I think this the format has really changed a lot where... It used to just kind of be, I'm going to run Chromat and then whatever else I want to do. Sure. Or I'm going to run Child of Lara and whatever else. But now there's a lot of a lot more viable commanders that will open you up and a lot more viable play styles that will give you alternate ways to win. That being said, the only negative thing I have to say is you do have a Slivers deck, which is about as generic as you can get for five colors. And I, I've never liked Slivers. I think it's I've I've played against them throughout the course of the entirety of my time playing EDH. And I just think it's kind of a dumb deck. I think your Sissay deck is pretty clever for what you've done with it. And I don't like your Jota deck, which we'll probably talk to again at some other point. Sure. So I think that, I like I said, I think if this was five years ago when we were talking about this, it'd be a completely different conversation. Great. So my rebuttal for Big Tuck would be, so you have a great point about the Slivers deck, but I think the thing, if you because we've been playing Magic for so long and EDH, 
Slivers were my first five color deck I sure, made. Yeah. Yep. I want to say seven years ago, eight oh, that, years yeah, ago. That was right yeah, as we got back ago. into it. Yeah, and so the, I think the only options I would have had were Chromat, Child of Alara. So literally, kind of how yeah. you started that—that's kind of where I first made it. Right. And if you think about it, how often do I ever play Slivers? No, like never. Like no, never. Yeah. Um, I would rather play things like Joda and Sese. And honestly, I'd love to build a guild-themed Niv-Mizzet deck. Mm-hmm. I just—I I love all the options. Squee McGee, I think you make a great point, and that's something that I think a lot of our listeners should kind of harp into. Just because you're playing a color that has access to everything, when you build the deck, you still need it to be focused. So, like, for example, when I build my Sisse God Tribal deck, technically it's more of a Legend Tribal, but I wanted to keep it God. And so if you listen back to a previous Bruise and Builds, Big Tuck makes points of, why is this in here? And it's like... Well, I wanted to keep to the theme. It's a god. You you handcuff yourself to the theme, so. And so, you know, I think you can do it, and I think it's smart to, what Big Tuck just said, handcuff yourself to that theme, but then just be cognizant of, you know what, sometimes I think it is good to have a sub-theme or two. So, for example, my Esper deck, it is life gain to start, then it has a mill sub-theme, and then it has a prison theme after that, Right. but then they kind of tie into each other. Right. Squee McGee, what is your favorite color? So my favorite color, as you know, I love tokens. I love creatures. I love smashing people in the face. It is Silencia. So it's October. It's getting into the pumpkin spice season. I thought it'd be a little bit basic about how I like to play my commander decks. And today I'd like to talk about green and white. What's the goal? Get people on the field, smash people in the face. Pretty damn simple. I love winning this way. The most satisfying thing to me is when you see it coming, you can't do shit about it. You get blasted in the face. I think it's a really positive format for the game because everybody can see what's going on. You're not going to infinitely combo out, cause the game to get the table flipped over, people leaving the house, that type of thing. So I I enjoy green-white. I think there's a lot of ramp. There's a lot of tribal that you can build with it. So what are you guys' thoughts? I'm curious. Uh, Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's one of the more fair colors. The only thing I don't like about it is it is somewhat limited in how you can build it. Like Mr. Combo and I both have Kitty Cats decks, right? Which is one of the more common of that format. And then my other backup one is a, my other Silvala deck, which also wins by going wide and getting all this insane value train. I like it because it's apparent. You kind of get what you pay for and you get what you see, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of chicanery going on behind the <laughs> behind the scenes on it. No counter spells, which I think is always sweet. For me, it's not my favorite because it's very limited in the way that you can build it most of the time. Yeah, I'll have to agree with Big Tech on here, which is funny because my very first deck that we did on episode two of Bruise and Builds right. was a Silencia deck. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, I had to reach real hard to make that an elf angel tribal theme because if you look at EDH rec, almost half of the Silencia generals are actually token specific. Yeah. So if you go into a color and I think the thing that we all love about EDH is that you pick some colors and you can find almost any theme you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with green and white, it's, do you want to do tokens? No. You should probably do another color. Right, yeah. And, and I, I think a color should be able to offer at least four or five different avenues. And what I think is interesting, you know, when you start looking at three and four and five color commanders, obviously the number of commanders kind of shrink. Because right. Wizards, I mean, granted, five color has been blowing up here recently. Right, yeah. It's but really, but it's at least in popular. three and four color, it's like you kind of have maybe 20 to 30. Green, white, it's like you guys have, I think, like 40 plus, 50 plus for almost 25 of them to be token specific, that's just not good for me. And I think part of that issue, which will be one of my least favorite colors, white, is that white really handcuffs the colors. And I think that's a mental block that wizards have. 
Uh, Squee McGee, any rebuttal for Big Tucker myself? Uh, yeah, I think the same rebuttal for both of you. Cause it, it seems like the, the format seems a little limited. And as we talked about in the last newscast, it is going to be a little bit backwards because it is still token themed in general. Right. However, it's a tokens hitting the graveyard type of theme. It's a Voltron deck. So I think there's a lot of areas within green and white that you can build decks where people haven't thought of the possibilities of it. I think everybody goes in and go, yep, self-tribal, it's token, it's go wide, it's smash face. Whereas you can take your tokens, you can sack them, you can use that type of stuff, build up some defenses, do a Voltron theme, kill them with command damage, whatever the caves may be. So I would agree with you, there is some limited use, but I think there's a lot of opportunity where people haven't thought of a creative way to use newer and or older commanders. Yep, that's totally fair. Big Tech, why don't you kick us off with your favorite color combo? So this is really hard, um, and I almost That's didn't what want. She said. I, <laughs> I almost didn't want to send one back because mine <laughs> cycle all the time. Like whenever I build a new deck, That's I remember. I remember when it's like mono blue when I built my snake deck. I was like, "That's the only thing I could think about." It's and really all that excited. Jazz. Now that I've gotten to this point, it's kind of gotten. It's just like whatever I feel like playing, right? So I've noticed though that the colors that I have the most fun with are generally combinations that include black and red. Okay. So yep. just for example, for today's argument, because I got handcuffed to this myself earlier, is my Grixis. Okay. So one thing that black and red really struggle with is really efficient card draw, really efficient counter spells, some ways to interact with the board with both of those. Even in all those colors, there's no real good way to deal with enchantments, which happens all the time. And it's also pretty tough to deal with artifacts outside of a few choice red cards. But I think Grixis really opens up the ways that you can interact with the board. Yes, you get into generic things like Counterspells and Cyclonic Rifts and that jazz. But I think that it also opens up a decently wide area of how you want to go. So, um, for example, my two Grixis decks are completely different. So the way I play Nekazar and the way I play Marchesa, even though there are some overlaps of cards, they're completely different decks. So sure. they do different things. It's Really a toss-up to... I just kind of pulled that out of a hat, but I just noticed that the ones I like playing the most happen to have black and red in them. Okay, that's fair. Look, I, I love my Grixis Nickel Bolas themed deck. I think that's actually mm-hmm. pretty popular among the EDH community. Once we got all these different Boluses, like, hey, I'm going to make Bolas Tribal. Right. Um, even though that's not really why I did it, just a lot of them worked in there. But honestly... I don't know what Grixis is trying to do from a color perspective, which is funny considering my custom card is Grixis. Right. If you look at the options, which there's only 23 to begin with, which I thought there'd be way more yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. That's, that's um, and, and Grixis, they're all over the place, which you just heard me kind of say with Silencia. Oh, it's very boring. Almost half of them are doing the exact same thing. Like when I gave my five color argument, it's, oh, I have three or four that can do this, three or four that can do that, three or four mm-hmm. that can do this, three or four that can do that. When I look at Grixis, you got one that's CEDH, a couple that steal stuff, one that punishes for card draws. You have one or two that deal with graveyard. It's just, I don't know if it's just they haven't printed as many Grixis options. And then, of course, one of the ones that's taking up the slots, the OG Nickel Bolas, which is just garbage. Yeah, you have to pay good. that that's upkeep cost. It's not a good deck. It's, it's not good. I just feel like Grixis and Silencia are a couple colors. Now, granted, they hit a home run with Nickel Bolas the Ravager. That is a sweet card. Right. Flips into a planeswalker, makes people discard. It's yep. a great card. Yep. But I just I just think Grixis is the opposite issue of Silencia. Silencia, Wizard says, hey, tokens. That's what we do. 
And Greg says, I think it's almost like a bunch of preschoolers hyped up on pixie sticks. <laughs> and it's all these different effects. And every time they want to make a new Grixis commander, it's a brand new effect right. and a brand new thing. And I think they need to start kind of slowing down, narrowing it. I think each, I think for healthy color combinations, each one needs to have about four to five different avenues you can go. And I hope that they do that with Grixis, considering EDH is now a focus of them developing cards. Right. I would partially agree with you, Mr. Combo. I think black and red are particularly fun to play. There's a lot of interaction on the board. You do a lot back and forth with your own graveyard, with other people's board states. I personally am a sucker for burn spells. I think mm-hmm. having burn spells is one of the most exciting things you can do. In Magic, it's an instant spell that just burns either somebody or a player. If you have somebody yep. at two life and you hit them with a lightning bolt, that I bolt love action. winning that way. <laughs> but yeah, I think it is a little bit limited. I think black and red have a love-hate relationship of dealing with the color strengths back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's a little disjointed. Um, I don't think there's a lot of central themes that you can do with black and red, but I particularly enjoy playing with both of those, that being said. Yeah, um, I can kind of see it both ways, but I think that's one of the reasons why. I think the reason why there are so many different decks in Grixis is why I may like it so much. So, for example, the same cards that are in blue and sort of in black that make Nekazar good are also make Marchesa really good, right? Mm. And they're fun, interactive cards that you can see popping up over and over again. I kind of like that idea that it is a little bit more disparate, right? So uh, Mr. Magoo's Jaleva deck plays completely different than any of these other two that have come out. Mm-hmm. They, I do feel like now that I'm really thinking about it, it's completely undersaturated with options, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the partners of them are garbage. There's yeah. no other like partners with that have it with it. So if you compare it to, let's say, Jund, which is what I was going to talk about, where you just sub out the green for the red, I think those decks even look more i think those decks look too uniform sure like outside of prosh most of them are like counters sacrifice themes that sort of things whereas grixis gives you a little bit more playground to it i also am partial to it because marchesa and uh Nekuzar are both one of my two commanders when i actually like wasn't just trying to throw everything against the wall and see what <laughs> happens so being able to identify cards that have come out throughout the years that do very unique effects i mean there's there's in both of them at least in Nekuzar, there's a grixis card that's printed that's really good for it so i kind of like that idea again there's not been as much support as there probably should be for it so hopefully we'll see some new avenues similar to like a boros with feather yeah that came out that sort of thing no i think that's good so i'll kick off the least favorite my least favorite like i mentioned earlier is actually mono white it's incredibly boring yeah it's incredibly linear it's smash face but it's not even big smash like green does or with a billion tokens like Mono Red and Goblins, it's just normal everyday smash. Oh, my creatures got plus one, plus one because they attack. <clears throat> the top generals in white, Absent Angel of Hope, Indestructible. Boo. Or Equipment Matters, Sram, Odric, Kemba, Nahiri, Planeswalker, Balan, Danatha, Raksha. So you just kind of heard that and you're like, oh, well, maybe that's white's thing. It's equipment. They're not even good equipment abilities. It's like make a 2-2 cat. Where they cost one less to cast or draw a card when you cast it. It's just I struggle to make my mono white deck, which is actually a vehicle kind of Transformers uh, deck that will be done on a future Bruise and Builds episode just to fill that slot for the path to 32. And I will say my mono white vehicle deck is actually a lot of fun. But it has nothing to do with mono white. It's right. just I think if I made a Boros vehicle deck, it would probably <laughs> be just, just as much just fun as good, or yeah, better. Like yeah. a deep left thing, yeah. Absolutely. So it just seems as if all the interesting effects were put into the other colors and white was kind of forgotten. 
Um, now, there are some, like the one general guy that if you attack with three other creatures, you get to assign blockers. Yeah, yeah, that's the old, that, old, old Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very, very cool, but that's one right. out of all of them. Right. Um, and I feel like Wizards at this point is scared to make white better because of the implications maybe with the other colors or even make it more relevant with uh, equipment because of maybe what would happen in modern. I mean, we just got Stoneforge Mystic back. Right. What if they came out with this BA legend in white that really likes artifacts and equipment and then they do that and it's like Hogak all over again. Well, now time to ban it. Right. I 100% agree with that. I think mono white feels like the abandoned child of the family in mono colors. It One just, could say the white-headed stepchild. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to build a good EDH white deck without dumping a ton of money into expensive artifacts, mana yeah. rate, that type of thing yep. to make it work. And you really have to make it work. You can't build a deck that has synergy with itself. It's really, really tough. To, especially when you're going up against different colors that can remove a lot of these artifacts. Artifacts right. are not hard to get rid of in general, and yep. when you're basing your deck off of that, that. There's not a lot of potential out of it. I mean, the only way that you win in mono white is attacking. Yep. Like there's every single one of those things that you just listed. They only win by attacking. Like my mono white deck wins through the combat phase. Your mono mm-hmm. white deck wins through the combat phase. Yep. Like they just haven't given enough room or overhead to be able to be anything fun right like there's no spell slinger or there's no graveyard matters right because there's not near enough cards in the mono white arsenal that are going to make that sort of thing viable outside of well here's like your three requisite go get planes cards sure and then everything else is just creatures and attacking and combat phasing Mm -hmm. and like maybe like some gain life stuff but again it's usually made like usually gain life through attacking so i would really love to see wizards come out with some some better mono so, white just cards. Some, i know it may have some implications on the other types of formats that are you know when you're but that's why they have annual commander decks right exactly stuff yeah, in there I mean, that you don't have to worry about breaking now i guess sure there is mono white legacy but yeah mono white's been horrible for as long as i can remember so i'm gonna end my argument around mono white by just giving you guys a couple stats 862 decks listed on EDH rec right now are SRAM senior edificer, which is who is my vehicle mono white commander. And he basically just says when you cast an aura equipment vehicle, draw a card. He is almost double the amount of decks that number two is. And that just shows you that mono white is so bad that literally this two drop that you just draw a card for Cheerios is how a lot of people play him. It's an absolute That's very, very bad. But then the number two deck is Avacyn Angel of Hope, an eight drop that just gives indestructible. The fact that you just have a cast something, draw a card, and your stuff gets indestructible as the number one and number two decks for the color, big miss. Right. The the last thing I'll say on that, though, is the good thing about Mono White is that it is so simple. It is a good deck to give someone just the first time they play it. Like, that's about it. Where it's just like, you know what you're going to do. You just swing and attack. That's yeah, it. that's fair. Yep. Well, Squee McGee, what is your least favorite color? So my least favorite color combination in EDH <laughs> is going to be mono blue. And it's not because it's not good. I think there's a lot of potential in mono blue. I think you can build a lot of interesting decks with mono blue. I hate the way it interacts with the board, and I hate the oppression that mono blue puts onto a game. I feel like every game I've played where there's a mono blue commander, the game's going to take forever. Blue is 100% centric in my mind on other people's board states. It preys on counter spells. It preys on taking other people's creatures, artifacts, enchantments, bringing them onto your yep. board. I'd love to see blue focus a little more on itself and a little less on the board states that are actually out there. Yeah, I think that again is, is the case for most of it. I think there's there are some fun fringe blue decks. Like for example, my Arcades deck, which is Sphinx Tribal, kind of runs different than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I've only seen mine out in the wild. There's two other decks that I think are kind of break the format. One is 
Mistborn Ultimus, which is like a sweet Voltron, like weirdo tribal plus deck. And then the side deck that generates tokens. Mm -hmm. I think those are cool. But again, it still falls on the fact that every single one of those is going to have a rift. Every single one of those is going to have a counterspell. Yep. If they have the money, every single one of them is going to have a treachery or um, every single one will, of them can have stuff, infinite yeah. combos if they want to build it that way. So it's pretty limited. I don't know. I It's not my least favorite, but I if someone gave me a blue deck that was just a generic mono blue deck, I would have really no interest in playing it. Yep. Sure. So, you know, mono blue, it's not my favorite color or color combination, obviously, but it is one of my favorite colors. Um, I, I think you can do a lot of different directions with it. A lot like how my favorite color, uh, Wooberg, there's a lot of different directions you go with sure. that. Uh, and mono blue, if you want to go CEDH, you have two, three different options that you can kind of do that with. If you want to go artifacts matter, you have a few right. different options you can do with mm -hmm. that. One of the things that I really like is a steal your stuff, which there's actually a few different options for mm -hmm. that. Uh, plus blue has a lot of card draw effect. That's not just sorcery instant draw card there's other things like rhystic studies mystic remoras things like that there's counter spells bounce effects artifact value plus islands i think have some of the best artwork and magic for me personally when people kind of say oh well, when you got blue you got the cyclonic rifts and the counter spells and the force of wills well i think all that stuff's pretty present in every single deck that has blue up until maybe you get to four or five color. And even mm -hmm. there, you're going to see yeah. some of that stuff. So it's not that mono blue sucks because it, it has these things. Every deck that has yeah, blue has those things. Blue sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, it's just not a reason to specifically not like mono blue. It's just knowing that blue comes with these wizards has given blue great utility stuff. You don't have to play that stuff if you don't want to. There are fair versions of Rift. There are fair ways to get lots of mana, but maybe not infinite. So, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of diverse directions you can go with because not every blue commander is a CEDH commander like Empress Kalina, mm -hmm. which will be done on a future bruise and builds. She's not CEDH at all. Right. I, I can make it. She's annoying. <laughs> yes, she's annoying because I steal your stuff because it's mine, mine, mine. Right. Uh, but I have one way to win the game, quote unquote, and that is the boring blue way to win the game. But outside of that pocket. It's a very fun and different deck. And I mm -hmm. think blue can be built to be different and fun. It's just it gets the bad rep because Urza gets comes out and it's like, oh, Paradox Engine combo, I win. Right. Or the Lady in the Water from Eldraine. Right. Oh, infinite, you know, artifact thing, I win the game. It's just blue just can do this stuff easier than everyone else. I think I think the other thing with blue is that it just makes games a little longer. If right. you play in a, if you right. play in a pod that plays no blue, you will have a shorter game that people will actually get to see the cards they play in. Whereas if you play it with a pod with anyone in blue, blue non CDH, CEDH, yeah, CEDH, sure, right. that yeah, games will be done be, in fifteen minutes. Correct, right? But we don't play CDH for the most part. Yeah, I don't have a lot of rebuttal to what you guys said. I think you both make great points. I just don't like blue by itself. It's <laughs> yeah. so centric on that, and I do think I have a little bit of PTSD from. Early competitive days with Power Nine, Morphling, Force oh, of yeah. Will, Force of Wills. that type of deck, and I had one of those. I didn't have the Power Nine, but I had four Force of Wills. You're running all the counter spells. You're running only card draw, and it would get down to games where it was like, "Well, I'm going to counter spell, and I'm going to counter your counter. Well, I'm going to counter the counter, the no. counter my counter, and I'm going to counter the counter counter here." And, 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 and that is nobody went right. anywhere, and that sucked. So I may have some PTSD from that. I think you have good points. I do like blue in general in the game. I think it's necessary to to you know, build out different strategies and combos and draw cards and help out the other colors. But the one, as a mono blue format, I just don't think it's the one fun. One last point before we get to big tucks, uh, color combo that he dislikes. I almost feel like 
how overpowered blue is and how underpowered white is. Right. Yeah. It's like they should almost start to, well, we want to create this blue commander, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we make it white? white. And then that way it f- kind of shrinks right. yeah. that. But, the pro- but like that the gap. problem is like when you're building a white commander, if you build, if you care one that cares about spells, like most like Look at feather. artifacts, but it's not mono white. You still have the, sure. you still have the benefit from some of a lot of make the it Azorius then. And that still kind of shrinks the pie a little bit. I do think they need to shrink the pie. I mean, yeah. white's so far behind, blue's so far ahead on power. It's I think there are gross. Azorius commanders that do a little bit of both, right? Like a little bit. My tenant commander is a kind of a control and a, and a creature build, yeah. but like you couldn't do either one of those in one or the other. That's fair. That's fair. So, well, Big Tech, what's the color that you dislike? Uh, I was going to be a dick and go with the, with colorless because I just don't really care for it. But I was also trying to think of something a little outside of the box. And the only other one I could really come up with that I've never personally cared for was Naya, which is uh, red, green, white. So I've had a Naya deck for a long time and it's gone through like six different iterations. And each one just never really felt like home. I think for the most part until very recently, as in like the last set that came out. It seemed like they were all pretty straightforward. The only thing that I really like in Naya is the fact that you can run all dinosaurs in it and the <laughs> Dino decks. I think those are just fun. Um, but again, outside of one deck that I can think of off the top of my head and the one that I sort of run, that's a pseudo combo deck for the most part. I think it's just kind of like ramp, big creatures. Then you got your white spot removal. Yeah. I don't know. I just Maybe it's just because I've been stymied deck building it so many times. It, and even like the new commander that they printed is just to populate tokens and swing in deck. Right. So for me, it's just been, it's never been something that's been like super excited or I've never been like, oh, I can't wait to put this deck together and hope how it works out. Yeah. You know, I, I would honestly just say Naya is just slightly better than Silencia because you add in red. Right. So you get yeah. a lot of the burn type mm-hmm. of effects or hasty type of effects. Yep. So it's, you're encouraged to attack and have tokens so it's not as boring but it's just more smash face uh you know and you look at the naya commanders and it's funny you talk about doing these three colors you can do dinosaurs gishath is the number one naya commander by almost double really yeah, 1854 decks to my of the anima at 1041 right. and um, then what's the one after that marath i'm guessing yep yep which marath, is marath and, right? and, so, and then it's samut and then right. uh, you got to drop off to Zakama or old stuff like that. Yeah. So, no, I totally agree. You know, uh, they, they had an opportunity. Now, I do think that they did something well with Atla and Girid yes. and the new C-19. Uh-huh. That is a step in the right direction because now there wasn't really a populate commander and egg tribal is just hilarious. Right. I think the biggest that they made was with the goad one. Is that plays yeah, Maurice? That plays completely different. Yeah, Maurice is the Naya first deck. Naya yeah. that I would think about building and likewise. Yeah, like when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is something that's different. But the funny thing is that we're all talking about C twenty or C nineteen commanders. The most recent Naya that they put in a set was Rian Angel of Rebirth. It was the buy a box promo, I believe. Flying and other multicolored oh, creatures yeah. you control get plus one plus zero. Oh. Garbage. And whenever another multicolored creature you control dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next in step. Big effing yawn. Yeah, so, I mean, that doesn't yeah. do anything, right? It's the same thing that you have with mono white, where it's like these decks win by attacking. Yep, yeah, I, I feel very similar about it. And <clears throat> honestly, I bought the populate deck and I gutted all the red out of it and turned it into a reese deck. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> how much I felt the value that red was adding into that deck. I just didn't see any need for it. We'll talk about this in our debate around the populate and right. token decks, but the red just seemed like a, a flavor add. There's not much that the red added into a smash face populate type of strategy. I, I, I don't love it. Yeah, I mean, I, like it sounds like we're all agreeing on this. 
I am sort of okay with the one I built after six different iterations and the new goad one is a step in the right direction, right? Like yeah. the one yep. that still focuses on combat, but just in a different way. So I think Maurice is really like exciting. Yeah. I, I think that it has potential going forwards, but in what we've gotten right now before Maurice came out, I don't see much yeah. of it. Yeah, no, totally see. Well, guys, in the last segment, Squeed dives into those creative juices with the Weatherlight Report. Welcome back to the Weatherlight Report. Coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper 4, I'm Squee McGee. There will surely be no group hug today with this commander. He's red. He's an ogre. He's coming to take a swamp back near you. His name is Heartless Hidetsu. Oh, oh yeah! I knew Big Tech would like this one. Another so, wait. This is a second deck that Australian Alex plays. That's I, funny. I guess we have yeah. a, a similar wavelength going on here. So this is kind of related to the strategy that you're going to use with the Kokoshu deck I talked about in the first episode. So Heartless Hidetsugu. He is a four-three ogre shaman that costs three colorless and two red. He reads tap. Heartless Hidetsugu deals damage to each player equal to half that player's life total rounded down. Yikes. Yeah. So, <laughs> the biggest thing that you need to be careful of here is you're not just fucking up everybody else, you're fucking yourself up too. Facts. So, you gotta watch out. I think this deck's gonna be a lot of fun. I don't necessarily think it's gonna win a lot of games, but it's going to do exactly what I love about Kokoshu. It's going to speed the game up. Right. It's going to make sure that you're gonna have a really engaging and fun time. You're not going to get stalled out. You're not going to get milled out. I like it. I think this is a fun card. I think it plays a lot into like what Red wants to do. I'm sure we'll get into it with like the different things you have. But again, like that's what it boils down to is that this could easily knock you down half, and then just, you're just easy pickings for someone else. Oh yeah, I, uh, I, I, I got. No, no, no. I, I've seen I've seen the deck play in real life. Have you seen Alex's? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Filthy. Yeah, um, it's, it's literally. It's I, I will say, if you play a heartless Hedgezu deck. You will be hated yes. as soon as the game. You'll starts. be able to do the oh, like yeah, a lot for of sure. Decks, you'll be able to do the for trick sure. once, and yeah. then everyone's like, "Okay, this thing's this thing dies immediately." Yeah. No, I, that's what I love about it because you get everybody on the table interacting with each other. Yeah. They're all going against you. You kind of build up this hate, but at the same time, it's not a singular hate because everybody's getting drained down. So you go from right. forty to twenty to ten, and then we'll talk about quite a few cards here that can really make this disgusting. All right. Yeah, well, we're going to start off fashion. with your recommendations. So the first card I wanted to talk about is the most boring of the bunch. It's Mage Rite Stone. It's an artifact that costs two to cast. It reads one, tap, untap target creature that has an activated oh, ability with tap in its cost. This card has three or four other counterparts that do roughly the right. same thing. Uh, some of them are more expensive. So there's Jander Saddlebags, Thousand Year Elixir, and Puppet Strings mm -hmm. as well. All Jander of them are an untap effect. <laughs> So what's your the, the idea here is you take them from 40 to 20 to 10 all in one turn. Once you're down to 10 life, you can utilize what red's really good at. And I talked about earlier, I love right. burn spells. Throw in some good burn spells, throw in a few double effects. You can knock out whoever you want, whenever you want. I think this is just gross as a combo with the guy. Yeah, this is hysterical. Like you said, it does a lot what like Thousand Year Elixir does too. But um, yeah, this being $3 versus 15 on it. Again, this gets back to the point of if someone sees this coming, they should be able to kill this immediately or wisely right. should because yeah. they know that they're going to take half yeah. in a flash. Yeah. And and the great thing is that is a budget version of that thousand year right. elixir. I guarantee that when you build this deck, yes, they are there to fuel Heartless Hedgezoo, but there's going to be other things that you're going to want to untap things right, with sure. activated abilities. For sure. And I'm sure Red has other things that can burn when they tap. So yeah. uh, that's that's yeah, great. That's awesome. great uh, what's your next one? So the second card I wanted to talk about <laughs> is a ley line. It's ley line of punishment. Oh sure. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's an enchantment that costs two colorless and two red. It reads: If ley line of punishment is in your opening hand, you may begin Oof. the game with it on the battlefield. 
Players can't game life. Damage can't be prevented. I don't have a whole lot else to say about that. So here's the thing. At least the way that uh, Australian Alex is, I guess what we're going to call him, call him AA. <laughs> so whenever AA plays uh, Heartless Hedgezoo, one of the tricks that he does with it is that he gains life right. while he's draining everyone. So the one thing you have to be careful of is with Leyline of Punishment, you can't do those tricks. Granted, I like it. It fits the deck. I would definitely say have it in. You just have to be very careful because if you want to play that gain life sub theme with like a basilisk crawler, right. things mm-hmm. like that, this is going to immediately stop you. I guess if you put this down turn one, you know, from your opening hand um, and you have heartless, maybe people will focus on that and not your other stuff because it's like, ah, I got to gain life or oh, I need to be able to use my fog and stuff yeah. like that. I think this and it's funny. This is the only time that I can think of where you may not want to play this. Yeah. Out front. If you like because if you have some way to gain life, this may be the time where you yep. open it and you're like, this is really good. and It's going to help, but I'm actually going to wait to cast it till I get set up until I get ahead. Yeah. Then put it down. Wait till I get above that. Forty. Right, yeah. So it's like, again, I think for the most part, there's no reason not to play a ley line, except for like, this is the only case that I can think of where it's like, ah, I'll wait until I get, until yeah. I get these other cards out. Yeah, I Absolutely. think it's great early game or mid game, depending on what you draw out right. of your hand. And I don't plan on running this deck as a whole lot of life gain. I want this to be what Red has always been good at. Hasty, Burnaday. fast, get shit going, yep. drain people's life down, and make sure the game is going to be fun and quick. So what, do you, so what do you got next? So the next card I wanted to talk about is a little card called Gutter Snipe. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's heard about this guy. He's a 2-2 Goblin Shaman that costs two colorless and a red. He reads, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Gutter Snipe deals two damage to each opponent. So are you trying to get really cute here and try to like play a lightning bolt and then everyone else gets lower than you just so that you can bash him with heartless oh we'll get there on the next card so (laughs) there's a couple cards that do an effect but the the idea is to get everybody low enough and then start burning them down so once you get everybody down to 10 life it's pretty well fair game between the different types of lightning bolts and burn spells that you can do to take out the biggest threat in the game work your way down the line take people out i mean i haven't this is not aa's uh heartless hedges you it's not your grandmother's coffee. Yeah, this is your, this is your <laughs> uncle's card. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I guess if you went, like, Spell Slinger Heartless, That's that, the could idea. that could work. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm on board with it. Yeah, sure. I have one more card one that more I want to talk about. Right. So the last card I want to talk about is Gratuitous Violence. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't even need to look up this. Yeah, this it's an filthy. absolute staple in this. So for those playing the home game, Gratuitous Violence is an enchantment that costs two colorless and three red. It reads, if a creature you control would deal damage to a creature or player, it deals double that damage to that creature or player instead. Now, there is something extremely important that you need to know about this card, because you can torch yourself. You will kill yourself if you have an even life total. So, uh, Oh, because it's a per- Oh, it, uh, it is it's double everyone. Yeah. yeah. So, so you what- need to make sure that with maybe a non-basic land that causes you to lose a life or get attacked by somebody... But you cannot play this card and use it with your commander if you're on an even life Would total. Dictate of the Twin Gods be better because that's only opponents? No, I think it's everyone. Oh, is that just at Flash, yeah. I guess? Yeah, it's, okay. the, it's the same thing yep. as first Rise Flash. So, and then I think a key thing there, too, is that there's other ones like Dictate, which is three colorless, red, red, Flash. If a source would deal mm-hmm. damage, it deals double that damage. That one only says Creatures. Oh, so okay. again, yes. you could yeah, do this the thing. Is just creatures. You could do the thing where you, if you're ahead in life, you could roll an earthquake or something and hit a bunch, hit a couple different people. You're still at the top of life, then burn everyone <laughs> down. Yeah, um, and then that way there's no coming, there's no coming back to you. And I think <clears throat> the gratuitous violence is just your side of things. Okay. That, so the other ones make you. Yeah, might it's make if you a, a creature you control. Yeah. Correct. 
So the uh, this this is a very risky play. It's going to be extremely situational when you play this card. I would mm-hmm. imagine the moment I put this enchantment down, the game will either be over for me or somebody else, or for, or for everyone. And, else. and I will yeah. say that is somehow like that is sometimes how AA plays his heartless Hedgesu deck is a nuclear bomb that just kills everyone. Right. And you know what? Like, oh, well, because it's, it's over. A, it's just it's a tie, draw, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea: if you're at 40 life and you run this card and you run your commander, you will kill yourself because it'll do 20 life twice. Right. <laughs> but you know what? That's funny about EDH. Yeah. No one wins. Yeah, right. exactly. If you're at well, 39 life, however, so if you're at 39 life and you run this card and everybody else is at an even card draw oh. or an even life total. So if you're on odds, any player that's on evens will lose. The odd players will stick yeah. out, and then you play a lightning bolt and burn the other dude down for the one life that yeah. you're gaining. Well, and then I will end this with one card that should be on the recommendation block. It's a new card from Throne of Eldraine that will be going in my knee. Oh, yeah, deck. I know what you're talking about. Cobron, Thane of Red Fell, colorless, triple red, legendary creature, dwarf, noble, 2-4. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus two. Rough. I love so it. So Heartless Hedgezoo, you took 20. You're actually going to take 22, 22, and I'll just take 20, 20. Yeah. and then I'll kill you next turn. Definitely. And the beauty of that card is you can combine it with Gratuitous Violence. So say that person that is the other outlier that has an odd life total, you kill the evens, the odd life total then deals two extra oh, damage to that yeah. player and kills yep. them immediately. Absolutely. Nice. Good pull. Awesome. That's, well, yeah. that, that's a that's a awesome weatherlight report. I like that one. I'll kick it back to the Action 4 News desk with Mr. Combo Number 5 and Big Tuck. Thanks for staying with us, and as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower himself by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, and sharing. Without your support, we would probably still exist, but be in a bowling league somewhere. So, you can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 News team by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website, CMD Tower. You can communicate directly with your team at CMD Tower, at Mr. Combo Number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dear Squee, and maybe in the future, Big Tuck can finally migrate from his friend feed account. Ooh, friend feed. <laughs> from your MTG Action 4 news team, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.